Well, take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. We're in the process of wrapping up a series on the life of Moses by looking at some of the sermons he preached before he died. This is a passage perhaps you've never heard preached before. I've certainly never preached it before. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18, in a moment, we'll begin looking at that 15th verse. In the year 1900, there were some inventors with a company in Germany who made a series of predictions what they believed life would be like in the 21st century. They predicted in the 21st century we would all get around traveling in our own personal hot air balloons. Anybody come to church this morning in a hot air balloon? They predicted that police would carry their own personal x-ray machine so that they could catch crimes in progress happening inside of buildings. Now that's kind of scary. They said that entire cities would be covered by giant roofs because that was their concept of air conditioning. They said that we would have machines by which we would be able to control the weather. I wouldn't mind having one of those when the next hurricane comes along. But needless to say, none of those predictions came about. This morning, we're going to look in the Word of God at a prediction that God Himself made through Moses. And this prediction, or this promise, it is of supreme importance. Because if God failed to keep this promise, that means we cannot trust any of God's promises But because God did keep this promise, we can therefore base our lives on all of the promises of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, Israel is getting ready to enter the promised land. And God knows when they get there, they're going to be surrounded by pagans who do all sorts of evil things who worship idols and false gods. So in order to help them, God is going to send them prophets. These prophets will teach them and instruct them, and when necessary, they will confront them. And there were many prophets that God raised up over the years. But in this passage, in this context, God promised that one day there would be one special prophet who would stand out and who would stand above all of the others. This one special prophet would speak for God like no one else ever did, would reveal God like no one else ever could. And two times in the New Testament... These verses are cited, and we are explicitly told that Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise that God made to send a special prophet into the world, that he was everything God said he would be. In fact, as we're going to see this morning, he was more than a prophet. And so in our scripture this morning, we're going to see three ways in which this special promise that God made points straight to Jesus and why that really does matter to how we live our lives today. And now, first of all, I want you to notice the person he will resemble. The person he will resemble. 
Look at verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Let me pause there. Moses is speaking to Israel the message which he received from the Lord. And he tells them, one day God is going to raise up a prophet. He's not just going to appear. He's not just going to show up out of nowhere. God is going to raise him up, Moses said. And he said, he will come from your midst. In other words, he'll be one of you. But here are the key words in this passage. Moses said that this prophet, when he comes, he will be like me. Now, did Moses have all of the details? No. But he knew that somehow, some way, this future prophet that God promised would bear a strong resemblance to himself. You see, Moses is what we would call a type of Christ. In other words, he demonstrated in many ways what eventually Jesus would be and what Jesus would do upon his arrival. It is amazing to us when we read the scriptures and we see the many ways in which the life of Moses reflects the ministry of Jesus. For example, both Moses and Jesus were rescued as infants. Both Moses and Jesus departed out of Egypt. Both Moses and Jesus performed miracles. Moses was called the servant of God. Jesus also called himself a servant, and he was the son of God. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before going up on Mount Horeb. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights before he was tempted. Moses received the law. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. Moses was called a shepherd of God's people. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Moses told the people to sacrifice a lamb and apply its shed blood to their homes so that God's judgment would pass over them. Jesus was the lamb of God whose blood was shed so that his judgment would pass over us. When Israel had nothing to eat, Moses prayed and God gave them manna. Jesus prayed over a boy's lunch and fed 5,000. We know that Moses prayed for Miriam, and she was healed of leprosy. And we read the story of how Jesus reached out and he touched the leper, and suddenly he was healed. When the Israelites were guilty of sin because they worshipped that golden calf, and they would have perished, Moses offered to die in their place, but he could not. We sinned, and we would have perished but Jesus did die in our place. Jesus did what Moses could not do. Moses prayed for God to forgive the people. Jesus prayed for those who crucified him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that whoever would look 
would live. Jesus said, even as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus was lifted up on a cross so that whosoever would look to him in faith would have eternal life. The Bible says that when Moses died, God personally buried him 2,000 years ago when Jesus died, God personally raised him from the dead. And so God promised to raise up a special prophet who would resemble Moses. And again and again and again, we see all of these parallels between the life of Moses and the ministry of Jesus Think about all the things that God had to do, all of the major world events that had to take place, all of the ways in which God had to shape history in order to make this happen. And yet if God is so sovereign that he could do that, then how can we not trust him and believe that he is just as sovereign over every detail of our lives? This is why when Peter preached in the temple in Acts chapter 3, he quoted this scripture. Listen to what he said in Acts 3.18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And then in verse 22, speaking of Christ, he's just told us that this is about Christ. In verse 22, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Do you, do you see what Peter did? Peter quoted Deuteronomy 18, 15. He said that Jesus is the prophet that God promised to send. And he said this prophet is also the Christ, the Messiah, that the other prophets said would suffer and die for our sins. So do you see what Peter did? He goes to Deuteronomy 15, and he draws a line straight from there to the cross. Jesus himself claimed to be the fulfillment of this promise. He said in John 5, 46, For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. So we see that God promised to send a special prophet into the world who would be like Moses, and God kept that promise by sending Jesus. We see the person he will resemble. We also see the role he will fulfill. The role he will fulfill. Look at the end of verse 15 and then verse 16. Him you shall hear, verse 16, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Moses is reminding them of something that had happened 40 years prior to that, when God gave them the Ten Commandments. The Bible says that they saw the presence 
of God represented in a great fire. And the Bible says that they heard God speak. And when they heard God speak, they trembled with fear. In fact, the Bible says that they were, 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 were so terrified, they begged Moses to communicate with God on their behalf because they believed in that moment that if they had to hear the voice of God again, it would kill them. You know, we understand and we talk about how God's appearance, his appearance is so glorious, we cannot bear to see it. Have you considered that it is also true that God is so great and he's so glorious, his voice we cannot bear to hear it either. That's how holy God is and how sinful we are in comparison. Well, look at verse 17. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. I want you to notice what happened. The people asked Moses to be their mediator in between them and God. God granted their request. And from that point forward, whenever God had something to say to Israel, he told Moses, and Moses repeated it to the people. And when the people had something to say to God, they told Moses, and Moses repeated it to God. Moses, of course, eventually died, so God raised up other prophets. Now, these prophets that God raised up over the years, they had two jobs. They were foretellers. In other words, they said, this is what God will do in the future. The Bible is full of predictions, of prophecies that have been fulfilled. They were foretellers, but they were also forth-tellers. In other words, to speak forth, to say, this is what the Lord has said. People ask me all the time whether or not I believe that God still calls prophets. I do believe God calls forth-tellers who will proclaim what God has already said. That's called preaching. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm not convinced, however, uh, that God calls foretellers because, frankly, we have something that they don't have. We have the completed word of God. We have the very words of the prophets and then the apostles who walked and talked with Jesus, their words that have been handed down to us. And just like these prophets, only what God said matters. Listen, I don't have any authority to tell you anything this morning that is not based on what God has already said in his word. And I want you to notice just how serious this is. Look at verse 19. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Now, I want you to notice the wording. God said, if a prophet speaks, 
and someone refuses to listen to my words in his mouth, I will require it of him. Those are the same words that were used to describe what God would do, how God would respond to someone who committed murder. I will require it of him, God said. In other words, God will judge severely. This means that what is happening right now is a big deal. In fact, let me just say this. Every time we gather here and do what we are doing right now, every time the Word of God is preached, two things are going to happen I'm going to be held accountable for what I said. And you're going to be held accountable for how you responded. Both of those things are going to take place. But let's go back to this problem that the people faced. The people could not withstand the voice of God. And likewise, because God is holy... And we are sinners. We could not withstand the voice of God. We had the same problem. But because God loves us, He wanted to reveal Himself to us in a way that we could hear Him and see Him and know Him. And therefore, God promised to send someone like Moses who would fill the role of mediator and be our mediator in between us and God. Now, who is that mediator that God promised? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In Christ God became man. The Word became flesh so that man could see God's face and man could hear God's voice and not die. And because Jesus was fully God and fully man, he could represent both parties. As God, Jesus represented God to man by only saying what his father told him to say, by only doing what his father told him to do. He could even say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And as man, Jesus represented man before God. He lived a sinless life on our behalf. He took the punishment for sin on our behalf. So again, we see that God promised to send a prophet who, like Moses, would fulfill this role of mediator in between God and man. And again, God kept that promise by sending Jesus. Well, there's one more thing that I want you to see in all of this that points straight to Christ. I want you to notice the test he will pass. The test he will pass. Look at verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Now, when God promised to send the special prophet into the world, he already knew 
that there would be many false prophets because that's what the devil does. He simply counterfeits whatever God creates. And it is a very serious thing for someone to claim to speak for God and say something that God never said. And that's why in the Old Testament, false prophets were put to death. Let me remind you, we are not Israel and America is not a theocracy. So no, uh, we do not round up false prophets and execute them today. We should, however, learn from this and take this very, very seriously. Now, this leads to a question, though. How can you tell who is real and who is false? Look at verse 21. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass... That is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. God said the way to tell whether or not a prophet is true or false is by whether or not his words come to pass. And in verse 22, God is specifically talking about the role of the prophet as a foreteller of the future. Now, all of the prophets of the Old Testament had problems. Moses had his temper. Elijah got depressed. Ezekiel, man, he was just plain weird. Uh, These were imperfect people through, through whom God spoke. But even though their lives did not have to be perfect in order for God to use them, the prophecy that they spoke when they spoke in God's name, had to be perfect. No prophecy ever spoken by a prophet could fail, not even once, because God cannot lie and God is never mistaken. And therefore, if God said a prophet makes even one false prediction... That is a false prophet. You do not have to heed anything they say because a false prophet is a powerless prophet. And that is true even if they perform signs and wonders. As you probably know, there have been many people who've claimed to be prophets who've made all sorts of predictions. I remember a few years ago, I was at Homestead Hospital getting ready to visit a member of my church. I was in the lobby. A woman overheard that I was a pastor, someone I had never met before. She came to me and introduced herself to me as a prophetess. And she proceeded to tell me about all of the things that would happen in my life over the next 12 months. Not one of which actually happened. Not even one. And yet I'm sure she's still out there telling people, The Lord told me blank. Unfortunately, many of these false prophets have been quite successful in deceiving a lot of people. We think about Charles Russell, the founder of the Jehovah Witnesses, who prophesied that in 1914 Jesus would return. Didn't happen. That was one of several swings and misses on his part. There was that Bible teacher, that radio teacher, Harold Camping, 
who said that Jesus would return on May 21st, 2011. I can still remember driving around town right here in Homestead and seeing bumper stickers on cars announcing that prophecy. But it did not happen. Some of you may not like this next one. In 2020, there were some mega church pastors who prophesied and said, the Lord has said that Joe Biden will never be inaugurated president. One woman prophesied, said, thus says the Lord, said that very thing while Donald Trump was standing a few feet away with his arms raised up in the air because, hey, she's a prophetess, and if God said it, then it must be true. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be discerning, and we have to call these things out because, let me tell you, a non-believing world does not see or know the difference. And yet so many of these guys... I'll just say it, so many of these clowns continue to preach in great big churches to thousands of people. And we wonder, how is this possible? Well, number one, because no one in their church has ever read Deuteronomy 18. Because if they did, they would walk out that door as quickly as possible. Because the standard is still perfection for the words of a prophet. Perfection. But maybe they stick around because usually when false prophets speak, they speak positive words, telling people things that they want to hear. And let's be honest, who doesn't want good news? We all want to hear good news. But listen to me carefully. We don't have to make hollow, empty predictions in order to have good news to announce to the world because we already have the greatest news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his power to save whosoever will call upon his name. But Jesus said, beware of false prophets. He said, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but on the inside they are ravening wolves. God promised to raise up a special prophet one who would resemble Moses, one who would serve as a mediator in between God and man, one who would speak the very words of God. And one of the ways we would recognize him would be the fact that everything he said and every prediction he would make would be 100% true. So let me just close by asking this question. Did Jesus pass that test? If that's the test... Did Jesus pass it? Oh boy, did he ever. Matthew 16, 21 says this. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day Peter heard that and tried to rebuke him. He said, oh, Lord, we'll never let that happen to you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. It did happen, just as Jesus said. 
Jesus predicted that Judas would betray him. Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. Jesus predicted that other disciples would abandon him. He predicted his trial. He predicted his sentence. He predicted his crucifixion. He predicted his death on the cross. Most importantly, Jesus predicted his own resurrection. And you remember when he cleansed the temple and the religious leaders asked him, by what authority do you do this? Jesus responded, and speaking of his body, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. Do you understand what he was saying? He was saying, if I do not rise from the grave, I have no authority. That would make him a false prophet, and that means we should reject him in the strongest possible way. But because he did rise from the grave, that means he is everything he claimed to be, and he can do everything that he says he will do. That means his every word is true, that means he is Lord, and he has the power, and he has the authority to save whosoever shall call upon his name. That means that one day he will judge, and we can believe him when he promises to come again one day and fix this broken world in which we live. It also means, just like God said in Deuteronomy 18, that God will hold us accountable for whether or not we believe him and whether or not we heed what he said. It means the most important question in your life and in mine is, what will you do with Jesus? Would you join me as we pray? Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you are a promise-keeping God. And you promised thousands of years ago that you would not just send any old prophet, but you would send a very special prophet. And you were very specific about who this prophet would be and what he would be like. And now we can look back historically and we can see that you did exactly what you said you would do. And God, that's why we can trust you with our whole lives. That's why we can trust you no matter what is going on in our lives, even when we're down in the valley and we're going through trials and it's hard because you are sovereign, you are in control, and you are a promise-keeping God. And God, we've seen this morning that you said through Moses that you will hold accountable the one who does not hear his words we remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so this is a serious thing. God, I pray for the man or the woman or the young person who's here today who's listening, who has not heeded what Jesus has said, who's never placed their faith in him as Savior and Lord. God, I pray that in this moment they would be willing to just surrender to him. And say, Jesus, all that I am and all that I have, all that I know of myself, I give to you now to reign in me as Lord of my life. 
If there's even one person here today who needs to do that, who needs to be born again, God, I pray that this would be for them their day of salvation. And God, would you speak to us in these moments? Because as we observe the Lord's Supper, again, we are reminded of the promise that you kept. You promised to send this prophet, this Messiah, this Christ, who would suffer and die for our sins. And when we take the bread and the cup, we are reminding ourselves that you did it. You did just what you said you would do. And so would you help us to come in a manner that is worthy? Help us to recognize any unconfessed sins in our lives in these moments. Would you speak to us through your still small voice, through your spirit, that we can respond before you? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.